Hey everyone, welcome to the Single Player Experience Podcast, the premier podcast where single player gamers can find about good single player games to play and some upcoming games that you definitely need to have in your video game backlog. And speaking of upcoming games that you need to have in your video game backlog, that's going to be the topic of the show, so to speak, because I got hands-on recently at PAX with one of my most anticipated games this year, and it's a game that you should definitely have on your radar this is a game that definitely leaves an impression. Uh, it definitely leaves an impression on you for sure. And that's outside of at PAX. They had a gigantic wrestling ring there. They were kind of displaying for everyone um, with with actual, you know, live live enhanced ta- talent to perform for everyone. So, you know, outside of that general impression, the game is stellar, absolutely phenomenal. But enough about me gushing about it because I have someone special here to talk all about it with. And my guest today is none other than James from Mega Cat Studios. James, how you doing today? Oh man, thanks for having me, Sebastian. I'm, I'm excited to touch base with you again. Man, thank you so much for being on the show. Good to see you again. And you know, one of the things that that kind of like one of the main takeaways outside of like the wrestling ring and everyone performing was just the general response of the game. Y'all seem to have like a lot of good natured fanfare like surrounding this. Like what's that reception been like for you? How were you taken aback by how beloved the game is uh, even before its release? Yeah, it was awesome. You know, we, we've, uh, we've made a, a lot of games the last seven years and, you know, wrestler quest has a, just a massive amount of unique <laughs> story uh, background work. It's also been a, it was like a huge risk for the team. It's, you know, 20 times bigger than the games we normally make and all these flagship licenses. And, um, you know, it's just a huge undertaking for someone who's a huge fan of role-playing games, like making something that can meet player expectations in that genre with the depth and complexity and beauty that you, your favorite JRPGs have. It's, it's, a, it's a huge lift. So it's been so much fun. Um, you know, meeting meeting folks who are spending an hour getting hands on with it. You know, we've, we've been really lucky to win like a dozen different best in show and best gameplay awards at events and festivals. And you know, we've been working in the game for four years. There's a massive amount of time and content, 150,000 words, like two novels worth of content. You know, it's just a <laughs> there's just so much stuff. So it's it's really really validating for the team, and I'm just so proud of them for sticking with it and putting through all the all the, you know, tighten the bolts, you know, move the screws, take the feedback because so much of what makes a game good is just taking massive amounts of feedback from players and then channeling it into, you know, tweaks and adjustments. So it's, uh, yeah, just really exciting. And maybe check the box I didn't realize we'd ever check was uh, having like, a, you know, 100 people around the wrestling ring, like chanting Wrestle Quest and pounding their chest was kind mm-hmm. of like a <laughs> one of the most ridiculous and, uh, and fun moments of my games career was looking over and seeing my team members just like ear to ear cheesing because so many fans were just definitely enthralled by the wrestling <laughs> but also just uh having that kind of be the cap of of multiple days of people just loving it at, at pax east this year which is the event we had announced it at a year prior and it was just really fulfilling you know to see that cause i just can't wait for the game to release yeah yeah um so james for the people who don't know about wrestle quest can you give them the general like pitch on the game so WrestleQuest is the world's first wrestling JRPG. Uh, it's all set in a high fantasy Toy Story meets wrestling universe. So wrestling is life. Wrestling is real. 
And it's all through this like super nostalgic um, action figure toy lens. And we found out as we were early on in the visual identity side of WrestleQuest that, you know, we love pixel art, but we didn't want our game to be misinterpreted for Fire Pro Wrestling or like a ROM hack or, you know, WWF Raw or anything like that. So when we were going through these kind of visual hooks and you think about how, you know, pixel art is commonly in the same several like three or four sizes and resolutions and it's hard to have these 32 pixel height sprites that are all human that are based on these likenesses that don't look similar uh, and we kind of stumbled into this this realization that for a lot of us our first memories and some of our fondest memories of wrestling were being introduced to wrestling toys as a kid and even collecting them as an adult so once we kind of stumbled into that um like super nostalgia even more personal kind of eureka moment actually informed this whole like um, the whole creative kind of high fantasy part of you know what are the liberties we can take now with these characters if it's plastic combat and maybe a limb snaps off and you just reconnect it with a new screw or maybe there's some some model glue that you pick up the third world that you know maybe, maybe that's how you get a big daddy squeeze or juice space wrestler you know to the <laughs> next level so that's really cool. That's really creative. I like how you have like that unique twist, like that toy story or like that toy soldier. I don't know if you've seen that movie, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. like spin on. Yeah, like spin on everything. It's it, it, it does add a unique twist on what you could have been easily compared to a fire pro wrestling. But this it, that twist and the term based elements, the, the JRPG elements really help this to stand out as something unique that you and then I don't think like I, I can't name a game that that looks like this, that feels like this, that has like this sort of heart and uh, heart behind it, you know, in like in the wrestling uh, department, in the wrestling genre. And I've played plenty of wrestling games over the years. I've, I think I've played every WWE game of the past 20 years. It's this feels special. Like, you know, was was that process been like creating this for like four years? What's some of the lessons you all learned? Oh, man, you know, the, the whole company's changed since we started. Like it's the same people working on it. But, you know, while we were going through the WrestleQuest development, we also just picked up a million new tools and pieces and, you know, we're a, um, like a 50% of our product mix work for hire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we always have to make sure we're finding ways to you know, keep, keep the lights on, but also keep the team excited and fulfilled creatively. And it's, you know, games are tough. They're hit based industry. And we work with our larger, um, Goliath size partners. You know, we, we can't not give them our best. Right. But the whole reason we joined, games industry in the first place were to make these games that we really want to make and uh you know it's all it's always interesting trying to find a way to balance that and find find a way to build like a case that there's a market with something that's never been done before mm-hmm. um you know in WrestleQuest, we we brought it to many publishers that, that said no like we had a, a few that thought there was no like wrestling fans are kind of blue collar and rpgs are maybe a little more like high high effort uh energy thought strategy made a lot of those which i thought it's kind of funny in hindsight because probably not many wrestling fans of those publishers since wrestling is this like really high character story driven oh for sure like like experience and i think for a lot of these people they're like this is crazy um in some cases it was you know they were just really concerned publishers were about not having good comps because there, there aren't like sports rpgs that have been incredibly successful right there's golf story and there's a giant fall off and there's like a like a Barkley, like a uh, game maker game it was on Kickstarter. It yeah. doesn't appear to have like a long tail, but like it definitely made made a, a small splash for like super fans, but making it more of a niche. So maybe a little bit too risky for a lot of publishers. And then there's, there's really not much else. There's not a lot of, um, 
success stories there. So that makes it hard for forecasts. And and then, you know, the licenses, as much spice and like vibrancy as they add having, you know, you know the Randy Savage, like Macho Man Estate, like endorsing and advocating and licensing the character. There's there's some concern around, you know, do people still know and care about Macho Man? Like to, you know, surprisingly enough, at many, many events, we have people that have no idea who Andre the Giant is. And it's, oh, wow. It's crazy to me because I, I grew up just uh, enthralled with wrestling. And he's this truly iconic, like helped create this whole, what, what a crazy visual and a character. And, you know, he had this pop culture extension with Princess Bride. And, you know, it just really surprised me as a lifelong wrestling fan. But also I can see how some of those uh, concerns like do exist and we're validated with, you know, we'll say like mass market gaming fans, but I mean, we didn't make rest requests for mass market gaming fans anyway, <laughs> you know? So it's a, uh, it, it's interesting to go through because we, we've done a lot of work with a lot of publishers and we have so much respect for the genre and for wrestling that one of the things that makes rest requests unique is that we just, you know, poured everything we had into every corner. Like it's just packed full of, you know, Easter eggs and truly interesting for wrestling fans or JRPG fans. Um, like replayability like i'd say the the core driving kind of vision for the product pillars of what makes the game is that we wanted it to be equally appealing to jrpg super fans that don't know wrestling as it is to wrestling fans who may not love jrpgs because we we can see the writing on the wall we were talking to a lot of publishers that there there may be something to that so um you know that's been the 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 hill to climb and the barrier to overcome and we feel like we're we're there you know we've uh We've been really excited about some of these unconventional wins. Like one of my favorite was last year at PAX East. One of the first press, um, you know, interviews we had, we became like acquaintances later, just kind of uh, staying in touch. And he wrote us an email just thanking us for introducing him to wrestling. Uh, Cause he started like watching like wrestling after playing WrestleQuest, which was just really <laughs> <laughs> unexpectedly hilariously fun because, you know, his whole pretext before taking the demo was him just saying, listen, I don't like wrestling. I'm incredibly hard on games and I particularly love RPGs and I have not reviewed these favorably. And I remember getting the email for our, um, as a response and I'm like, I, I guess worst case scenario, we learned some stuff about how to make the game better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it went great. But th- those kind of experiences have been just so much fun to to go through because aside from it being a kind of funny story for the team, it's, you know, it, it's one of the reasons we, wanted to create WrestleQuest. We wanted to share this fandom of these two things we just love dearly that we think have a lot of interesting intersection, but can live together without someone having both. Yeah, I, I can, I can completely get that. And you're right. Like it, what, what you said kind of like, it made me kind of like, it took me aback for a second. Like people don't know who Andre the Giant is anymore. You know, sure. like I am shocked. I like, especially as an old school wrestling fan, like Andre the Giant, um, junkyard dog like mm-hmm. the, oh the million dollar man like all these things Ted DiBiase I'm like oh man it, it's shocking to me that we're in an era to where like there are there are like people who don't know that lineage of wrestling yeah it is wild man and we we went pretty pretty deep and wide to even get to the licenses we settled on like I we had almost double the number of talent um agreed and signed that we found out after rigorous amounts of due diligence they don't actually own the characters or the costume and it's Mm -hmm. that was his own steep learning curve because you know there's so much um 
there's so many pitfalls uh, in that space because the era of wrestling we were operating in was also really pre WWF. Yeah. You know, part of part of like the ethos of WrestleQuest kind of universe is this uh, territory system of you know each new new area is a territory and you know it's just um just like layer after layer of why it's never been done before has become obvious <laughs> over time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's uh man, it's been it's been awesome to get together because I at the same time for every unique problem and wall we ran into um we found somebody who we generally were sharing this you know passion for wrestling or jrpgs and helped us kind of climb over it you know it's like a without getting like off topic we when we had applied for um like tokyo game show you know, when we applied late and we you know went through a couple of different um hurdles kind of through the submission process since no one speaks Japanese in the team. And, <laughs> and we had some issues with the localization team we were using to help go through the process. And long story short, we ended up um, still getting into the showcase and becoming friends with one of the curators because he was just a massive wrestling fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he, he, he played the game and he reached out to us. He's like, by the way, like not only can we find place for you guys in the showcase, but he ended up introducing us to a handful of Japanese publishers and you know, we went there the next year for TGS in person. Um, it was like hanging out with like an old friend or something because, you know, we we realized there's this um, unique bond from like a wrestling fan to wrestling fan that probably exists in other hobbies, but there's a definitely a personal nature to kind of like what we built that kind of jumpstarts these relationships in a really fun way. Like I, I've had so much fun going to events and having people come over um, and kind of turn to us either speechless or just geeked out because they're like picking up all these Easter eggs and they're channeling this triple down of nostalgia where they're remembering their first pay-per-view or remembering, you know, going with their dad to a local wrestling event or receiving the, an action figure on Christmas. And it's, that's really the foundation of WrestleQuest. So it's, it's, it's awesome to watch people kind of walk through those, those moments and experience them in real time. It just makes me wish that, you know, we were working on WrestleQuest 2 or something because I don't know how we could recreate that same kind of uh, energy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I guess you maybe since y'all are so territorial based, I'm like the era in which this game is is placed with um a lot of it's kind of mid south almost um it, it kind of has a little bit of that the mid south kind of vibes on uh, the NWA kind of vibes as well. Like it would have to maybe be a different era uh, or maybe be like global territories and such like that. Mm-hmm. You know, since you have the the japan connections now maybe some new japan like <laughs> new japan um influences as well you know there's a lot of ideas there but i digress yeah. yeah i digress it's it's one of those things to where like it's such a cool concept though and and you're right like i was one of those people who was picking up on easter eggs myself like the road warriors for instance i had i've being a 90s kid like I kind of caught a lot of the tail end of their career more so than their early their early phases but like yeah, that was like catching them and seeing and seeing like aspects of them in the game, like um, think different things like that. The statues that that are in there are amazing, absolutely amazing, and it feels like the game plays uh, plays like such a, a good homage to like the legends past, like Jake the Snake Roberts and such. So really love that. I gotta ask you, um, what was it like um developing a game? You know through the whole COVID era like you started the development cycle like two years into it and then like the world just shuts down what was some of the pivots you had to make yeah you know we 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 do have an office here in Pittsburgh we do now too and ours was probably uh like a lot of game companies we were already working hybrid 
Mm -hmm. um, so we've always had some sort of partial, <laughs> you know, partial action, you know, at home, but, you know, we, we had so much, I want to say, uh, so much of our cross-functional team meetings and, and our production calls were live in our office at the same table, pointing and talking and, and kind of having that, uh, that kind of like share, share energy, share space. And, you know, I, I would say we didn't miss a beat, um, working together because we, you know, we worked through Slack and, you know, most mm. of us were able to kind of hit the ground running with that. But one of the unexpected challenges there is that we have a number of team members with kids and some of them like Zach has, you know, five and another one on the way. So it's a very busy household to say the least. So it's not quite the same for, for some people having to, you know, focus remotely because, you kind of, kind of lives in like a um, elementary school or something. Yeah. So, it's, <laughs> so there's a little bit of that and there's just a little bit of, um, I guess, unexpected turn with, uh, you know, some of our team members. I, I distinctly remember, you know, I'd say some folks were, I want to say getting uh, depressed, but it's like, I, I didn't realize how much that was going to change some people's lifestyles because for some people, they now they didn't leave the house at all, right? Mm -hmm. they, like sometimes you don't realize it, but, you know, some of the guys who would walk, you know, 40 minutes each way to the office rather than, you know, biking or, or driving. That was like a made major pillar for their like life, for their activity. It was like exercise and, and fresh air. And it's what a weird thing to go through for everybody. And I think ours was almost double complexity at time because we started renovating the new office building we purchased about three months before COVID. So it was like three times the pain uh, for cash flow because we now had this new office space that was supposed to be in deep construction with like people trying to establish new mask mask policies and trying to figure out how to, how to work around all this crazy uh, new world, you know? So it was, it was definitely not easy, but you know, the, the team definitely um, got, got through it pretty, pretty easily from a creative standpoint. I think for, for WrestleQuest specifically, as many people who were inconvenienced by having like uh, crazy home lives, I think some people were like triple the effectiveness because you know, they're sitting there in their PJs, just five feet from their Keurig, just slapping Macho Man sprites, you know? So it's, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'd say it, it didn't hurt production, but it, it was, it was unique. You know, I, I don't know how many teams have this same type of uh, structure, but there's so much value to, to me and a few of our team members, I know share this sentiment, having like FaceTime or like QA sits down with some of the, the devs and the writers and, interprets feedback from play sessions or, you know, kind of mini focus groups. And, you know, we're in an area here in Pittsburgh too, where we have a lot of other tech companies and, and friends that, you know, we have little events at the office or game makers, you know, happy hour type events. And we didn't realize how much those were influencing our production until we didn't have them anymore. You know, yeah. so it, was, it was almost like part of our, it was almost like an extension of our team because those, those people were driving, so much of the feedback subconsciously for us that <laughs> having that shift was also uh, unique. Yeah. So it, it changed quite a few things. Um, I, I gotta ask you though, like we, I see a whole lot of consoles behind you, everything from a PlayStation <laughs> five, all the way to a super Nintendo. I think I saw a 360 and um, among some other ones, what's your favorite console of all time. And then uh, I guess so what that one's easy, dude. It's uh. Sega Genesis for sure. We have oh, wow. we, we have daily arguments about this. So no one on my team is alarmed hearing that. But you know, I grew I grew up with the Sega, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I like love the Super Nintendo specifically because of JRPGs. And, and I can tell you all about 
why Sega is like a truly Goliath 16-bit console. But, you know, what's unique about WrestleQuest context with that question is, you know, I purchased um, Super Mario RPG for like 70 some dollars at Toys R Us with some allowance in middle school. I got home, popped it in, and all my friends were already playing Resident Evil on PlayStation and N64, and I was kind of a cycle behind. I remember being so hyped to get this new Mario game. I like uh, kind of shamefully got it home and put it in. My friends are killing zombies. And then I started playing. And I thought, this is not Mario at all. What is this crazy game? Mm-hmm. You know, it was my first RPG. And then, you know, five, six hours later, I was just eyes peeled open, like after dinner, just like <laughs> just so immersed in this, right? And it's the game's a masterpiece. It's like a Square Enix and Nintendo. And it's just this. Um, you know, so much of the WrestleQuest systems are inspired from Super RPG. A lot of folks have actually recognized that and brought it up. And mm-hmm. it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I, that that game actually like opened up an entire like library for me. Before Super Mario RPG, I basically only used my Super Nintendo to play like platformers because I'd play them all in Sega. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I wasn't ready to go 32 bit, you know. So it's a uh, it's really funny. But we have we have daily, you know, I want to say emoji arguments about. <laughs> our, our love for uh our our consoles we each grew up with i've you know team members that are atari super fans which oh wow for, you gotta feel bad for those guys you know yeah for sure. for sure yeah yeah but genesis man there's so much good stuff on there uh, yeah uh, the reason why i was gonna ask is because like you can kind of see some of the influences of um that 16-bit to 32-bit like era games in, in WrestleQuest, and like i for sure when i was playing it kind of like got got like flashbacks to when I first played Chrono Trigger as well. And that was one of those to where I'm like, oh man, this feel it's giving me some of these same vibes in a different sort of way. And I I love that. I love that feeling. Like it, what some of the other games that kind of were inspirations for WrestleQuest. Yeah, Chrono Trigger, uh, I'd say is the second. You know, so I'm glad you mentioned that. It's, <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't put that first for, for Zach because that's his uh that's his love letter, you know, but you know, we laid out everything we loved about JRPGs mm-hmm. and and everything that uh, players played about with JRPGs, you know, like the grindiness or uh, repetition. And, you know, so much of the WrestleQuest game design influence was built around how do we hit the spots everyone loves and expects and then also work around some of these maybe evolutions or opportunities for, you know, modernizing it. And that's that's how we came up with things like the pinning mechanic that kind of mm-hmm. keep, keep players more engaged and having that rhythm kind of, uh, you know, satisfying kind of wow moment of almost increasing the cadence of what a wrestling match might feel like for battle, you know, because you, you want the, you want the experience to still feel turn-based if you're kind of like min-maxing and chilling, but, you know, having, having the hype meter, which basically shows the audience being engaged from the showmanship of the talent in the ring paired with the pinning mechanic, kind of emulates that that kind of uh, feeling of watching a wrestling match of this excitement and this performance and performing for the crowd. And, you know, so you're actually penalized as a player if you kind of spam and cheese the same moves over and over. And there's an incentive now to kind of get some diversity in how you how you perform and how you, um, you know, bring the showmanship to the crowd. And that's been a lot of fun to tune. And that's probably been one of the hallmarks for, for fans who have played it and reviewed it is, you know, it has such a unique approach to systems that's both very wrestling and very jrpg satisfying yeah that's really cool um i want to talk to you about the main character of this game like uh original character as opposed to a, a licensed character was that uh, always the intention 
Yeah, you know, Muchacha Man was in the game way before mm-hmm. the licenses. He, the, the Spice himself, you know. But we, uh, when we first conceptualized WrestleQuest, we we knew we wanted to make our own characters kind of front and center because what we really wanted to combine was like the culmination of all of our favorite characters, stories, and moments uh, without having, you know, I want to say um, landmines or continuity issues that you might get for super fans. So WrestleQuest didn't have any licenses for 75% of the development. Oh, wow. Um, part of it was because, you know, we desperately wanted to work with WWE mm-hmm. and they weren't sure that there was a fit in the market for this. And they also weren't sure how this may impact their other licensing partners because, you know, the other licensing partners like 2K put, put major, major investments into using these characters. And in many cases, these characters are also like dual licensed by WWE, like WWE may own a costume and a specific gimmick, but maybe they don't own, you know, Randy Savage or Jake the Snake. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's definitely, um, it was a few too many hurdles to climb and it wasn't until we were very deep into the project that we actually realized um, and, and had validated, including through uh, WWE, that <laughs> that there are there are ways for us to very, <laughs> I want to say, very high engagement, attention to detail, um, make sure that there's no conflicts and there's no legal issues and that we're working mm-hmm. in in line with kind of the autobiographical take of these stories and not not borrowing things from um, like WWE storylines, also bringing them to life. So. You know, once we once we turned that corner and we got our first few licenses, we also at this point had built some unique trust with a lot of talent. And you know, once we built some relationships with folks like, you know, Jeff Jarrett, um, that brought another degree of I want to say not just credibility to the other wrestlers, but I think once they realized that we were just so deeply committed to the authenticity and we were just wrestling fans, there was this turning turning point of um like that's what we actually have all in common is that whether you're, you know, Jeff Jarrett or <clears throat> uh, Zach at Mega Cat or mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff at Skybound, we're actually just all wrestling fans first. And that kind of commonality and thread, you know, kind of um, kind of propelled all the rest of the <laughs> all the rest of the details. Then we just built out the table and the matrix of people that we knew were clear and um, people that we knew would, might be clear, might not be. How do we disqualify them and, and tee it up and you know, many, 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 many emails and phone calls and Zooms and everything else later, we, we had our roster and we decided that part of this um, execution was, you know, not just <clears throat> paying homage to these legends by making the playable characters like they are everywhere. It was actually like thematically making the cities and the territories like totally devoted to them. You know, so when you go into like Boxwood and you see the giant Macho Man statue in the city center, um, it's immortalized and all these wrestlers are just around it seeking advice or paying homage or, or kind of being there in a, in a thoughtful kind of uh, community idols. And it's like the idea is that in this world, because wrestling is everything, like these characters are there um, just because they have this this love for this universe that's now built on the shoulders of these these legends, kind of what they did for, for wrestling. So it made the creative even more fun to play with and it gave us a unique way to kind of apply them that's never been done before. Yeah, that's really cool. You you mentioned um some of the locales in this game. Um, how what was it like creating the all these locations that kind of pay homage to the the legends of of the past as well as creating something special? And then like uh, on top of that, I gotta ask like how big how big is the game overall? How many locations are there? 
So I can't spoil everything in mean, locations, <laughs> but uh, there's 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 a lot of statues. I'll say that there's we've shown over 15 already at events to the public. So you know there's mm -hmm. more than 15. Um, you know, the I would say the most compelling way to explain WrestleQuest's um, use of these characters is that, you know, whenever you successfully complete missions and side quests and achievements in an area, uh, you're, you're rewarded with either, you know, a piece of equipment or movesets or, you know, there's a manager system where some of them can be unlocked as managers, which act as a an extension of your party. It's like a fourth party member. Mm -hmm. and, and you can kind of carry that with you throughout the game. So as an example, there's, there's you know, in one of the areas with Jake the Snake, um, if you, you know, choose a certain path and and, and get, get to a certain um, skill level, you can summon Jake the Snake to, like, DDT your opponent. Oh, and that's it's, awesome. Uh, it's like, I wish you could do that in real life, too. It's like, a, <laughs> it, it, it's definitely a fantasy, you know, but it's, a, I, I think those types of things are, are cool because they, they kind of pay into everything you'd expect as a JRPG super fan, but now instead of these summons being dragons, it's a, it's a very powerful DDT. Yeah, I love that. And I love that it's his finishing move as well. I love the the attention to detail there. So I got I, I gotta ask you, um, you know, like how many hours can a gamer expect to get out of WrestleQuest Pro um like just if they were if they were doing a lot of the main quests and in some of the store uh, some of the side quests? It's around 50 hours of core gameplay content. We've had some people speed run the heck out of it, and it still takes 30 some hours. Oh wow! Uh, so, mm -hmm. you're, you know, that, that's if you are not, you know, moving and grooving. And there, there's 15 playable characters. It's there's a lot of content. Um, to be completely honest, we shouldn't have made this much content. <laughs> <laughs> it was this. Um, it was it was probably the the strangest, worst business decision we may have ever made. But mm -hmm. um, we just love it so much, and we wanted parody for fans that if you grew up with Junkyard Dog or Andre or you know, any of these flagship icons that there was enough, there was enough story for each and you felt like you were being served and you were getting everything you needed. And if you were not a wrestling fan and this is your first introduction to King Kong Bundy, we want to make sure that you're getting your fix. That you understand. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. All right. So who did you talk to throughout the process that you nerded out with? That, that was like your childhood. That was someone you watched as a child and you were like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. You know, that's a tough one. I'd, I'd say um, Road Warrior Hawk, I mean, Road Warrior Animal, um, mm -hmm. we got a, we got a, an opportunity to, to meet Joe uh, a few times and he was, he was just awesome. You know, and I have so many memories as a kid, just like looking at Hawk and Animal and just being completely geeked out, right? Like they were just so, so larger than life. And I, I love the content that our team had created for the area. So there's a, without spoiling anything, there's a mm -hmm. tribe that worships the Road Warriors in this kind of Mad Max styled universe. And, and that tribe like steals war paint um, to serve their overlords. So they kind of, they like steal face paint across all these face paint shops. And you imagine in a, in a wrestling based universe, the face paint's very valuable. Oh yeah, important. for sure. You know, so that's hot commodity right there. That's right. So it's like, the idea is that um, you're combining this kind of basis of Mad Max, like eighties kind of wild over the top nature with wrestling. And also the fact that this uh, super fandom of these, kind of Mad Max tribe are just, they worship the road warriors and they exist specifically to steal face paint all over the world. And um, I just love how that stuff came together, but, you know, probably animal for that kind of fandom, but, you know, I just can't tell you how much fun it's been working with uh, Jeff Jarrett and DDP. Like Jeff oh, is that's like, amazing. I've had so many uh, 
people have asked me like who my favorite three wrestlers are and i tell them jeff jarrett two times ddp once because it's like <laughs> I, I i did not love jeff as a kid right he's a heel no he's for like, sure not he's a little bit of a cheese like i <laughs> you know it's like uh i remember the t- teenage era i was kind of when i stopped watching wrestling too so I, I was able to catch up on these storylines now but i just that, that dude is such a pro right mm-hmm. and he, he knows his craft so well and and now that uh, i have such a, a different understanding of, of wrestling and i you know, I just love the heels, you know, and it's like, uh, <laughs> I'm I, get some, I get such a kick out of, uh, watching old Jeff stuff now, new Jeff stuff now. And it's, you know, we had, we had a team team meeting at AW recently in person, you know, and it's like the whole team was just popping whenever Jeff came out. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember having to, we had like a huddle beforehand. I'm like, listen, when he comes out, like boo as hard as you can, because <laughs> you know, like <laughs> he's a this, heel. This dude's not going hard for us to applaud. Like mm-hmm. you need to boo like you hate him, and he and he robbed us. And WrestleQuest is tanked because of it. Like you can't, <laughs> you know, give it your best. And I remember, uh, you know, a couple of our team members that were there that are especially some newer team members, uh, like Becca it was her first wrestling event. You could see a little bit of like a little bit of like culture shock. And she was like, I gotta boo him. I'm like, Jeff's our friend. I'm like, boo him like you hate him. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> it's the best the way, compliment dude. you could give him as a heel. Yeah, you know, dude, no doubt, man. And then you know, DDP is like, uh, he's larger than life. You know, like I, I loved. A huge WCW fan. Like I would say that it's probably like sacrilegious, but I I was more of a WCW fan than the WWE growing up. And I just I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Is that right? Uh, yeah, you know, like um, I I think that's why a lot of people like AEW that because it's like it kind of appeals to that old school WCW fan for a lot of us. So I, I hear that quite a bit, especially considering you know like um a lot of us especially in the uh, 90 kids like really like sting really like ddp really liked um nwo um and like eddie guerrero and and Rey mysterio had their classic matches as well like at, at like at wcw so it was it was just that era of wrestling though too it's like and that was also like where you almost you saw like premier wrestling as well like because they had like the cruiserweight division was on fire during like during WCW. I you got me gushing about like wrestling history right now, but like I I'm a guy who loves it, absolutely loves it. Um, yeah, double, like Jeff Jarrett, DDP. One of my like favorite moments, DDP moments, is when um like everyone thought he was going to the NWO. He put on his e- NWO t like t shirt and then mm-hmm. like. The whole end of the rest of the NWO is celebrating in the ring, and then he turns around, gives one of them the diamond, like the diamond cutter, and then runs Dude, off through the what crowd. A, what a crazy moment! You know, oh, I'll I love never, it. I never, I never forget that either, man. I remember like what I was eating, where I was sitting. Like mm-hmm. it's just a, uh, and, and you know, so much of um, what I loved about DDP was that you know he he it's unconventional start, right? Like he didn't really pop off until he was like thirty five, and mm-hmm. uh, despite putting a lot of time in and doing a lot of. And, you know, I got to know him a little bit throughout WrestleQuest. And I, you know, some of my favorite moments are, are these like canned experiences that I never in my life would have expected. Like I remember just one day I was looking over and I was it's like 3 a.m. I'm in my kitchen doing bicep curls while DDP screams at me. Like I <laughs> like two of my team members in the, in the room. My wife's like staring at me, like, what's happening in my kitchen? And it's like, that's all because of WrestleQuest, dude. It's like- <laughs> that's amazing. That is so cool. Yeah, it's funny, man. Oh man, that's so cool. I it's it's so amazing to see some of the people you watched as a child, like hey, be a part of a project that you're working on at this stage of your life, man. So congratulations on that. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, it's it's been wild. We're, we're so lucky, you know, to have built rapport with a lot of these guys and get them involved with the game, and and they're just awesome, um, like community members. Like you, you get the sense that they 
they understand like the significance of value of the brands, but they, they also like come from such a um, hard scrabble, like start that they just really respect like the love as of a fan mm-hmm. to invest and in also helping to kind of build this piece of their legacy. And I think that, I think it's just so obvious if you play WrestleQuest that it's just made by fans who are just so deeply committed. And once the guys see it, even if they don't play um, or care about video games, like they, they really get it once you once you show them what it's about. It's like a it's in, it's interesting, you know, because I think the story driven focus for us is really illuminating and exciting to a lot of the talent. It's you know they're used to being in games and mocap and they, mm-hmm. they, they get it. Like people love you know wrestling and wrestling games. You know, but the story part has just been captivating for a lot of these guys. Yeah, it's it's different though because this is almost like a for almost it's it's not quite the like a dot like a documentary, but it is like a walk through history and you know like almost like a retelling of history for a lot a lot of people, um especially like the legends probably to see like themselves like immortalized in a different way it, it, that also pays homage to some of their historical moments. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. We've been, you know, really excited about kind of telling some of these stories that we're canning for the end. But it's, I've had a number of, you know, either people part of the estates or or even some of the existing legends that are, that are still with us, like with their family members, like reach out and thank us for kind of contributing to the legacy because they've, they're just so happy to have them be part of the story, you know. And it's a, uh, that's pretty unique, you know. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these folks that don't love or play video games, like they're in their 60s i don't you know they came from a different generation era that didn't put video games in the same pedestal like they probably were closer to pac-man than Fortnite. you know mm-hmm. so it's like uh it's, it's really validating i think for, for our writers and our creative team and you know zach who's like the core wrestle father of WrestleQuest, to to get that kind of feedback from people that he looks up to so closely so who did the soundtrack for this game because one of the, my impressions for like at pax was that i really enjoy the music and, and yeah, such thanks, like man. that yeah, yeah so our so we have two um two composers uh mitch foster who's been with us since we very first started and uh elaine gordains and he's he's awesome man he's our head of sound and those guys um it's like 80 tracks long mm-hmm. big soundtrack and thousands and thousands of sound effects because of the amount of content um, and we've had a lot of compliments uh, about the soundtrack, which I think is so important for immersion and for for JRPGs. You know, and it's it's interesting because if you play a game like a Chrono Trigger, like the music is it's not just part of the the immersion; it's part of like the the emotion, and it, it's easier to have this like somber, atmospheric, you know, presence that is a different execution. But it is something that can be emulated versus having something like wrestling, which is this over the top, brash, loud popping space so so making the soundtrack um kind of have this ebb and flow of ambiance despite being wrestling and toys mixed with crazy over the top wrestling walk-on tunes uh, was a unique challenge i think for the, for the folks doing like all the music and those guys have been composing music for the better part of their adult lives and then some so they never took it seriously I'm glad that music is such a big proponent of this game because, like, you're right. Like, music's like a huge part of the DNA of wrestling. Like, whether it be what you're walking out to, whether it be like the entrances, I can still, like, to this day, remember like three different Raw in WWE Raw entrances to this day. I can hear them. I know exactly like what era it is. I can picture the entrance way. It's like the sound sounds of wrestling are just like a part of the experience. I can hear glass shattering right now in my kitchen and immediately it, think of Stone Cold. <laughs> and immediately think of Stone Cold Steve Austin. It is one of those things to where it's just 
I it's it's a part of that that DNA of wrestling. One of my favorite tracks in the game is uh you know Macho Man's Walk On Music, Pomp and Circumstance, like mm-hmm. his classic music. Uh, you know, it's public domain. So given that we have this Macho Man Randy Savage license, and he's a, this the, the core icon of, of the game, that's Muchacho Man follows in the footsteps of his hero. Um, you know, Mitch, uh, who is the true like lead of all composition for years before we even hired Elaine. You know, Mitch made a heavy metal cover of Pompous and Circumstance that is oh, just lit, cool. dude. And it's mm-hmm. like, a, I can't even tell you how many times it's played in loop in the background while we were working because <laughs> it's, um, it, it just hits all these spots for us. Of It's very Macho Man. It's very Mega Cat. It's very mm-hmm. Wrestle Quest. It just feels like a, it's a bit, it's been a really fun part of the journey. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. So, James, um, I believe this, I know for sure this is coming out on PC and Switch. Um, what other systems is it coming out on? Uh, Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, PC. And, okay, uh, so pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, and and some others to be announced, but we're mm-hmm. uh, we're coming up with some some cool press speech really soon. Oh, that's amazing! That's amazing. Well, congrats on your journey. I know this is um, I won't ask for a release date. I know it's um, a release window. It's coming up pretty soon, though. It's I, imminent, dude. Yeah, it's yeah. coming. Yeah. yeah, it's coming for sure, for sure. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, before we go though, I have one last question and paying homage to the the wrestling inspiration behind the show the question is are you ready because it is time for the pro nerd <laughs> trivia portion of the show where i ask my esteemed guests five different categories on five different different topics of nerdom normally i have the wheel of destiny here on my screen right here um i still have that but on one question i have specifically chosen the that the wheel land on the category of wrestling because this is a wrestling centric show so i want to test your knowledge a little bit so with all that said are you ready james to see if you're a pro nerd let's do it all right so here we go all right our first category the wheel of destiny has officially landed on harry potter harry potter so we'll see if this is a good start to for you all right so in Harry Potter, what insect or creature is Ron Weasley afraid of? Now, I want to add a preface by saying that I'm more of an amateur nerd and a okay. professional wrestling fan. But, you know, so like um, Ron Weasley, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go with a possum because I know that's not right. I think possums are terrifying. Do you really? Oh, they're horrible. Super <laughs> rabid. Have you seen their teeth? Dude, yeah. Don't go don't don't Google it. I'm gonna save you that pain. <laughs> I'm I'm here in Texas. I've seen tons of possums. Yeah. I've never really found them scary, but Dude, they're... You, you get close enough, you can change your opinion. That <laughs> is true. No, that might be true. I haven't just snuck up on one like that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, the answer is spiders. So you are 0 and Look, 1, but I will I'll have to say fruit. I got to go. <laughs> I, I am kind of like morbidly <laughs> curious of these possum thing right now. You know, man, I got to tell you, it was uh, 2002, mm-hmm. went outside, uh, it's like a junior in high school. That was a big possum close in my face. And I'll, I'll never, uh, <laughs> I, I never let that go, you know. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Our next category is in the world of Marvel. All right, so. What U.S. city is Captain America from? So I'm sending you a possum mouth. Oh, no. (laughs) I want you to open it with caution. Okay. Okay, let's see. Let's see. 
Jesus, is that what you look like for real? You, you can't trust that mouse, dude. Good Lord. That's a business mouse. It's going to take you out. That and, Like those teeth are <laughs> extremely long and sharp. I didn't know they had that. They are, and they're just, uh, they're like highly insane. You know, they're, they're unhinged, bro. So anyway. So, so <laughs> it looks like a vampire teeth. You know? <laughs> it's no good, man. You know, although baby possums, they're equally cute as the adult possums are terrifying. So I, I can see how someone can get tricked by these, uh, these, these vixen siren and you know mammalian monsters and they're devious too because i just thought they they're, played dead i didn't know they had this like weaponized capability dude you can't trust a possum <laughs> you're, you're just adding to the details but so that's um, so funny <laughs> all right so, so, so marvel um where's captain america from yeah what u.s city is captain america from yeah, he seems like a midwestern dude but uh yeah. Oh, this possum is terrifying. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm off, I'm off my game after that pop. My, I got a whole Google image search open yeah. right now, you know, but you can ask my name on my trip on it. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna have to phone a friend, dude. I'm, I don't know much about Captain America. Okay. I'm, I got some DC skills, but. All right. Well, well hopefully the, the wheel will land on that next. But the answer <laughs> is Brooklyn. He's officially from Brooklyn, New York. Oh man, what a disappointment! I have two friends that are in Brooklyn that work for Mega Cat. That would just be really let down. <laughs> you have to tell them about this. You have to yeah, tell dude. them about this. That's Pat so funny. the cat. I, I'm sorry, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, Matt. He's he's failed you, but he's gonna make up for it right now. <laughs> All right, so here we go. The next category is in the realm of Nintendo. Oh, finally, something I'm experienced with. Yeah, Nintendo. Nintendo's a hard one, though. We Historically, we haven't gotten a lot of right answers from that one. So, all right. So, here we go. Can you name the female variation of the character Yoshi? Hmm. I don't know her name, but I've seen her in a strategy guide, and I appreciate the work she does. I believe the char- the character's name is the female dinosaur Birdo. B I R D O. I can't believe Birdo is the female Yoshi. You know, it's funny. I was just visualizing Birdo and thinking, I wonder what the relation is in this, you know, Jurassic Mario world. Right? But, <laughs> dang, got me. Uh, was she was she in the Mario RPG back in the day? I don't think so. I don't think Mario RPG, but I, I mean, definitely in like. Mario World and mm-hmm. uh, Mario Two, and you know, I, I think that was probably my first introduction to, to Birdo Energy. But you know, I think they're on the cover of the strategy guide for um, Baby Mario. Oh, know? okay, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Yoshi, Yoshi's main events. Of course, you got some Birdo Energy in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. The next category is in. Well, you got it. Is in the realm of DC. DC. So let's see what. Where are these wrestling and cat based questions at, dude? I'm about to have you on the Mega Cat Report. Give you a six cat tabby based trivia. (laughs) (laughs) I I saved it for the fifth and final question, but okay. So here we go. Okay. All right. Name one. One of Bruce Wayne's parents. Martha Wayne? Yeah, Martha is correct. Martha is correct. Martha, Martha, Martha. Yeah, yeah. BVS. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still traumatized for that. Uh, I can't believe they did that for real. All right. So, did you like Batman versus Superman? Are you on that fence? Yeah, that's a tough one, man. I'm a, 
I'm such a, a nerd for superhero stuff. Like I just, mm-hmm. I, I just think consuming that content across comics and movies is, is fun. Like I, I've been introduced to superheroes sometimes through cinematic universe extensions. And I, I think it's dope, but I, I, I know there's a lot of, um, I'm going to say a lot of moxie that goes into even making these things mm-hmm. and a lot of just, um, highly polarizing hate i just i love all of them man like i love the incredible hulk movies that people cheese all over Whoa. you know dude yeah, I, I have fond memories of uh watching the lou frigno series when i was a kid too you know it's just like i, I think all that stuff is a it's really interesting content but it's the more you love it the closer you get the more polarizing it is the fans okay i understand i understand i have you seen the new flash trailer that came out recently? i did yeah mm-hmm. oh, that looks so fun i am sure. excited I can't wait for a you know 50th gen console and you can finally play as Flash because it's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> imagine how much fun that would be, man. You that know? would be exciting. That would be exciting. Um, all right, so last question and the pro wrestling pro wrestling trivia. All right, there is two people by the by two people who have held the world title. For 16 times. Can you name one of them? Man, I should really know 16 too. Hmm. 16 time world champion. Yeah, this is a tough one. I feel like I feel like Pat's gonna be let down again. And this is any world champion, it's not limited to wwe right yeah yeah this is i believe it's not limited um one of them uh, spoiler alert has won the nwa championship i mean what's challenging about that is like everyone's won the nwa championship (laughs) for sure sure. it did not help very much yeah you know i'm gonna go with jeff jerry for this one it's like um he probably won at least at least 10 times an impact i was gonna say you know what's interesting about that is i think jeff's um the champion 20 plus times but it, it's complex because when these folks are traveling across all these different feds and indie things like think about like cardona like it's it's such a crazy stat right like mm-hmm. um but if you had said just wwe really could have narrowed a bit, a bit but in, well, he's known known for being a 16 time world champion in wwe but i i gave you that um you know, that I, heard the, when I heard the 16 time soundbite i was like man this is a this is a bear because it feels like Cause like I've heard that exact bit. So many oh times, yeah, it's a, it's a, it, right? it's a part of the the it's a part of um uh, a famous promo. No doubt. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm just gonna go with Jeff, even though it's not Jeff, because I like saying his name. I think people should keep him on his mind. Okay, okay. So that is incorrect, but I will give you um a famous promo real quick, and I will, and that will kind of let you know who it is. All right, so. Um, let me make sure I got it correct. Um, you know, it's um, I, I'm almost certain that did you did you uh did you go to Flair's last match this year? By the way, I didn't go, but I watched it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a there was a 16 time shirt there, but it was Flair, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it was Flair. Yeah, actually, we we took the whole team to Rick Flair's last match. You know, that's but, amazing. Anyway, yeah, that's amazing. Was it fun in person? It was dope, man. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. It was like there was GCW events. There was like just a like a true celebration of Rick's career. There was like great, great, great signings, and you know, it was a it was one of our first WrestleQuest events that was not a gaming event, right? So it was like mm-hmm. 
it was like rather than it being in a sea of games with wrestling fans finding us it was like a sea of wrestling fans just like high-fiving and cheering so it was like uh it's pretty dope yeah so you've had some team members who'd never been to a wrestling show before like they went mm-hmm. to a gcw show what was oh. that like for them that had to be like dude yeah <laughs> I, I i wish i wish some of them were here to even tell you what it was like but mm-hmm. i would say that um without without being too long-winded in most cases um they had become introduced to wrestling as a concept through the lens of WrestleQuest. So all they knew was like the couple of her top characters, mm-hmm. maybe some pop culture pop-ups, but I never really watched like a traditional match. And, you know, so much of WrestleQuest is built around like over top characters, which, you know, it's promos and it's, it's like costumes and they don't understand what it's like to be in the indie scene. And a big part of WrestleQuest is, you know, literally going from concept and backyard wrestling to, being on a stage that's bigger than than life and uh mm-hmm. seeing like the the span of uh like aw rampage to like gcw indie stuff was probably my most treasured introducing team members to wrestling moment because you know it's like uh it just makes it so real and it's so authentic and you, you get the sense mm-hmm. of like what it's like for these guys putting themselves on the line and performing in front of these audiences and it's you know, we embraced it so much. We ended up doing like the indie wrestling event at PAX. And it's, you know, all those guys were very selected and curated because I think they're just fantastic talent. Like those guys are great. There's actually, without getting too detailed with that, there's, you know, three folks that we had on the roster at PAX East are like top 25 unsigned talent right now in indie. They're, they're excellent performers. Like it, we wanted to make sure that the people who were casually stepping into PAX East were getting just an awesome start to their wrestling interest, you know? Oh, that's amazing. This is so like... You also had a, a championship belt at PAX East that people were able to take a picture with inside the ring and such like that. What was all this planned out? Like, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, so much of this stuff's been like bucket list for us. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like we basically set up the whole, you know, if we make this game, what does it look like, and how do we, how do we capture the fandom of merch, and how do we, you know, even if it's just us making it and giving it away or sharing it, and the wrestling belts are no brainer. There's an amazing company called uh, Gator Brothers that does the buddies. There's a few people that do those buddies, but yeah, the Gator sure. stuff is just killer qual- quality. So if you wanted to really, you know, dust your knuckles up and teach that buddy a lesson, these are going to last. And it's um, it's been so much fun testing these things out. And you know, the belt community is actually a massive piece of, of wrestling, like fandom. If you look, I don't know how much you followed, no, oh, yeah, belt, belt collectors, but it's like the belt community is its own underbelly, right? It's like uh, mm-hmm. it's awesome, and it's a you know, we've had quite a few different WrestleQuest belts made and talk about like a, you know, Instagrammable kind of photo moment. It's like, everybody wants to be a champion of something. You know? Oh yeah, and for sure. And it, it was fun because some folks who didn't even um, play the game or see it came over because of the ring of the belt. And then I'd be like slowly magnetized over to play because mm-hmm. they hear people like chattering and they see people like, you know, reacting or, you know, so it's all, it's all like, uh, all came together really well, but I, we've been wanting to do the belt stuff since, uh, like day zero we've had some of those belts since the game before the game was signed we were actually sending championship belts to publishers to get their attention mm-hmm. you know and it's like it's a little expensive because these custom belts made oh yeah for sure i imagine that um and some have actually come forward with this but i imagine there's a couple of those publishers um 
I've already come forward to say like I wish I would have signed the game, you know. Oh, that's it, amazing. It, which is dope. And I, I told him, you know, keep the belt and like someday that'll be a collectible. Put it mm-hmm. up on eBay, you know. <laughs> There's probably some wrestling fan that collects belts. It's like I need that one on one, you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. I know a couple that like hang different belts on his wall and such like that. He has a whole wall full of like uh, of championship belts. And I was like, that's amazing to me. It's an expensive hobby, but that's amazing. Dude, you know, man, have you ever seen Conrad's collection? Oh, no. Uh-uh. Dude, you got to see, you know, Conrad, like the podcast host, Conrad, Conrad mm-hmm. Butler, right? Yeah. He's a crazy, insanely cool uh, belt collection. You got to see it. We actually recreated it in WrestleQuest, but it's like he has this belt tr- backdrop of this, you know, giant, like, mahogany shelves with these perfectly displayed belts of all these rare, different one-of-ones. And, you know, it's a, it's, pr- it's pretty neat, like a testament to his dedication and fandom because those, you know, I, I understand collecting. You can see my background. Like, I, mm-hmm. I yeah. did plenty of- <laughs> I remember when I finished my cartridge sets being like, Psh, time to get the boxes, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, uh, I, I get it. Like it's, it, it's, and it's like such an interesting uh, space because the, the belts that these guys collect are like, this is the belt that Ric Flair wanted Starcast seven. And, you know, it's like a, it's wild, man. So it, it's so cool to see that that exists. And I, I, I spent quite a bit of time talking to Sonny Ono about this stuff too. Cause he's, Oh, that's he's, cool. He's helped a lot of people mm-hmm. track down a lot of obscure belts in, in Japan. Yeah, so my last um question for you after this after this game releases, one, how are you going to celebrate, and then two, are you going to have one of those belts like hung up in the office over there? Or are you going to hang one up at the the home office over there as well? It's a good question. So two questions there. One is, how are we going to celebrate? And we've been saying that we're method developers. Um, like like Zach has been power bombing his children to sleep. <laughs> like I've been, you know, ch- choke slamming uh, team members on performance reviews mm-hmm. and they do a great job. And, uh, you know, we, we just <laughs> been so into it. You know, Zach actually wrestled at PAX East. He, like, he, like, you know, we've been training mm-hmm. and back to saying, so I think I'm probably going to wrestle Zach uh, for a hair versus hair match. And then um, that'll be how we celebrate. Maybe we'll stream it. We'll see. But someone's going to get shaved. Yeah. And then um, as far as the belts go, I, we have one at the office that's super dope. It's a one-on-one. Um, I love it. It's from uh, Fandu Belts. They mm-hmm. make amazing stuff. Check their stuff out. It's F-A-N-D-U. And um, I hope that we sell enough copies. I could buy a couple belts for everybody because um, one of the hardest decisions in the recent list at the office was who gets to keep the belt. You know? Oh, like, wow. So everybody wants it, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's a funny uh, company goal, but I hope we make enough um, enough recoup that I could buy belts for the team because that would be a pretty dope Christmas gift. Oh, it really would be. It really would be. James, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Like, it's been great talking to you. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I cannot wait for WrestleQuest. Like, I can't, as a wrestling fan, I am salivating for this game. It was one of the games that I walked away with during PAX. I was telling my wife this at, uh, at the hotel room in Boston that I was just like, I need this game like i need this pumped into my veins like i cannot <laughs> wait for this thanks man i i can't wait to it's like a we were so nervous to announce it because we had so many publishers say it was a not a good fit and then i remember after that first xbox showcase the chat was just blowing up people being like i feel like this was made just for me mm-hmm. you know and i just um that's why we made it you know we, we made it we made it because we, we're, we're those fans and I, I know there's others out there Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I am. I I don't know what console I'm going to play this on, and that's the hardest choice. It's just trying to figure <laughs> out what console I'm going to play this on. What, dude, hope hopefully you give your Steam Deck a test drive because it plays great on the Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. Nice and portable, and there's so much content. 
You play yeah. one eye in your bed. You play on the couch. You take it on a road. So you're ready to do business with that Steam Deck, man. And that the JRPG element does make it feel like it's perfect as a, a portable game. And I, I, I sort of, I'm getting what you're throwing down there. I, I I'm sort of, I'm catching that. So. Thank you so much, James, for being on the show. But without further ado, where can the good people find you? WrestleQuest.com and MegaCatStudios.com. All right. All right. Uh, do y'all have a Discord server that y'all like to get oh, yeah. involved in? You can get it through either website, and it's at discord.gg backslash MegaCat. A lot of wrestling fans on there. Unreasonable number of cat photos. So if you like one of those two things, you should find yourself <laughs> at home. Yeah. All right. All right. So we're salivate the people are salivating for more news we can't wait to hear from you more i'm i'm assuming later this year so thanks soon, dude. you soon but until then thank you so much james i've been sebastian that's been james y'all need to go wish this made of cats do it on all stores and you're going you're not going to regret it because this game is amazing until next time peace everyone bye thanks man appreciate you sebastian thanks for including us So that's a wrap for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to James from Mega Cat Studios for being on the show today. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the Single Player Experience Discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!